The author and theologian Frederick Beekner tells us that we should pay attention to our tears. In his book, Whistling in the Dark, Beekner writes, whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially, especially unexpected ones, it is well to pay the closest attention. Those tears, they are not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, he continues, but more often than not, God is speaking to you through them, speaking to you of the mystery of where you have come from and where you should go next. You know, it's interesting to me in this story that we've just heard read, there's so much of it that's expected. The arrogance, you might call it, of the host, Simon the Pharisee, this, this man who has invited Jesus into his home for a meal, but really in an attempt to entrap Jesus, to get him in trouble with the religious authorities. Fairly expected, given how the story has gone thus far. The washing of feet, fairly expected, not an uncommon practice in the ancient world to wash the feet of those guests who come into your home as an act of hospitality. Perhaps the only surprise is the price of the perfume that this woman uses to wash Jesus' feet. Even the woman's presence isn't all that unexpected. It was not unusual in the ancient world for the poor and the ostracized of a community to file into the courtyard of the wealthy residents as they threw parties in order to receive alms. All of these things are fairly expected in this story, but the tears, the tears are not. Dr. Brene Brown is a name by now that many of you might recognize. She is a research professor at the University of Houston. Her field is the field of sociology. She has written a number of books. She has a popular podcast called Unlocking Us. I think she has a special or a series on Netflix now. One of the books that Brene Brown wrote a few years back was on the topic of empathy. And in this book, she, she has this wonderful image to describe the difference between sympathy and empathy. It's an image that she later spoke of in a talk that I think has been shared widely online. Maybe you're familiar with it. She describes sympathy this way. She says, you know, there are moments in life when we experience a trauma or a tragedy. And it feels inwardly to us as if a giant hole has opened up around us and we have plummeted to the bottom of it. Sympathy, she says, is what happens when there from the bottom of the hole we cry up to all of those people who are still at ground level and say things like, help me. It's dark down here. I'm scared. I'm stuck. I'm overwhelmed. Sympathy is what happens when people there at ground level, they hear those cries and they, they crawl over to the edge of the hole and they look down and they say things like, ooh, hmm, 
Doesn't look too fun down there. She uses uh, silver lining as a verb, which I love. She says people who are sympathetic, they love to silver line. They use uh, phrases that often begin with the words, at least. Someone down there at the bottom of their hole. I just had a miscarriage. Well, at least you know you can get pregnant. Somewhere down there at the bottom of the hole, my, my marriage is, is falling apart. Well, at least you're married. Someone down there at the bottom of the hole, John, John got kicked out of school. Well, at least Susan's an A student. Sympathy. But empathy, Brown says, Empathy is what happens when someone climbs down into the hole with us. Someone comes down into that dark space and and simply with their presence says to us, I know how you feel. You're not alone. Right? Empathy, Brown says, is, is what happens when someone pays attention to the tears of another. It's what happens when someone is willing to risk connecting with someone else by first connecting with something within themselves that knows how the other person feels. Empathy, she says, is ultimately what leads to healing, to climbing back up that ladder and out of that hole eventually, because healing Healing can only really come when we feel our heart connect with another. Now listen, it's possible that the woman in our story today, it's possible that she begins weeping simply because she is just overwhelmed at being in the presence of the Messiah. It's possible. But for me, there's a clue in the way that she's introduced at the very beginning. There was a woman who lived a sinful life. When I read this story, I read the story trying to tell us that here at Jesus' feet is a woman who is at the bottom of a deep, deep hole. Now, we'll never know the reason for her tears. Maybe her weeping that that wells up in her is weeping that, that comes from a place of shame. Shame over all of those unnamed sins, be they real or imagined. But maybe they're tears that come for a completely different reason, too. Maybe there at Jesus' feet is a woman who's at the bottom of a hole because, because her own marriage is falling apart. Maybe she fled the house after a heated argument and, and happened upon this party. Maybe the woman in this story, maybe her tears are coming from that place of hopelessness, of loneliness, of being adrift in life, a feeling that she has been wrestling with her entire life. 
maybe this woman is overcome with emotion because finally she's allowing herself to feel that grief. The grief over the death of a child or a spouse or a parent or a friend. Maybe this woman is at the bottom of a hole, a hole that is opened up because of the worry. The worry that she lives with from sun up to sundown every day. The worry over a world then that is no different than the world today. Worry over a world that is rife. Rife with arrogance and with division and with greed and with violence. Notice what happens, though. The host... The host of this party, both literally and metaphorically, he stays at a distance, doesn't he? I don't even know if he gets to the edge of her hole. But Jesus, Jesus climbs down. He climbs down into that dark place with her. Not a single word is exchanged until the end. Jesus doesn't ask the woman to explain herself. Maybe just like Jesus is apparently able to understand the thoughts of Simon the Pharisee, Jesus is also able to understand the feelings, the feelings that are stirring inside this woman at his feet. He asks that incredible question, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon has been really good at seeing what this woman is doing, but Simon, Alan, Annie, Rhonda, do you see this person mourning in front of you? Jesus sees her. Jesus sits with her. Jesus practices Empathy. I know what you're feeling, he says. You're not alone. So there's this podcast that I listen to off and on. It's um, Three Episcopalian Priests. It's called the Mocking Cast Podcast. Three priests who... uh, talk about theology and life they laugh and cry and swear some there was an episode late last year where uh, Sarah one of the priests was recounting an experience from uh, her clinical pastoral education CPE it's a, a student chaplaincy that all students in seminary are typically required to take in order to earn a Master of Divinity degree. So you serve as a chaplain in a a hospital or a prison or another context. And she was telling about her hospital chaplaincy, how at the beginning uh, she was a train wreck. She was just running around the hospital, running into rooms, talking too much, trying to make people feel happy, telling them to be hopeful. She was being really sympathetic, in other words. But in the story, she says something happened literally on the last day of my hospital chaplaincy. 
She says, I was called to go to the room of a woman who had been dying for a long time by that point, but who was about to die. And I walked into this room, and there were the sons and the husband and and these family members that everyone was probably at least 20 years older than I was. And this time, she said, all I did was sit there in silence with this family, mourning the approaching death of their loved one. And after a long time, maybe an hour, maybe longer, one of the sons broke the silence and he said, you know, mom, uh, mom's favorite hymn was Amazing Grace. He said, does anyone here, does anyone here know how to sing? And the priest, Sarah, slowly raised her hand and she said, I know how to sing. She sang. People don't like it when I sing, but I might try. She sang, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now. I see. And she quietly slipped out of the room. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Friends, to follow Jesus is not to follow a life free of suffering. The beatitude here is not blessed are all of those who believe in me, for they will know no sadness. No, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. To follow Jesus is to follow a God who climbs down into the hole, into those dark places of life. It is to be comforted then in knowing that we, you and me, we never mourn alone. For God's heart is always the first heart to break. To follow Jesus then is to find our healing. It is to find our life. It is to find our salvation, our peace. Your faith has saved you, Jesus says. Go in peace. It is to find all of those things and the one who notices our tears. And then, and then it is for us to do the same for others. So, my friends, can anyone here sing? 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.